0: What up, what up, what up everyone, welcome to episode 41 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Shouts to the good people at Body Armor, Combo Nation, we are out here. Today's show, ESPN's Ian Begley returns, it's always great having Ian on the show, sharing his insights, expertise, and knowledge on the Knicks and everything going on around the league, And on top of that, man, Ian is just an overall great dude. So go follow him on Twitter, at Ian Begley. That's I-A-N-B-E-G-L-E-Y. You know you can follow me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Shout out to the Spotify community. We see you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, write on your Apple Podcast app. Let's get into it welcome back man welcome back to combo Square. how's everything hey everything's good bro how are you i'm good man you know i was out of town for a little bit and it got real cold by the time i got back so Ugh. besides that everything's great <laughs> you're in new york right yeah i am in new york man it's freezing yeah, it's I brutal outside. i went outside for a second i was like this is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> You got to stay in on days like this. A hundred percent. Oh, let's get right into it, man. Uh, you've, been, you've been covering New York sports for, for over a decade now. Um, I wanted to know, how has technology and social media changed your business?
1: Oh, it's crazy, man. Um, when I started, there was no Twitter. So right. you actually had time to do your interviews, uh, you know, transcribe all your interviews and then write your story from the ballpark or the arena or whatever. We didn't even have wireless internet back then, so we would have to connect through the phone line to send in our stories I'm back when I was working at the Daily News. And then, you know, social media changed everything because now with Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, things are instantaneous. Uh, it all happens. It, it's, it's minute by minute right. reporting as opposed to like, you know, you write a story for a de- the day and then you're done. You know, things are happening throughout the day that you either have to react to or you're searching for information throughout the day. So it's totally changed the nature of the business. It became, it was like a, a daily aspect where you're working for a daily newspaper, you're writing one story a day. Now, you know, it's like I said, it's all day, it never stops. It's a 24 hour news cycle. And I think social media uh, really was the impetus for that change.
0: Right. I have a friend in photography, and, you know, they find it frustrating because they spent so much time, you know, in the business. And now everybody has a camera and now everybody's a photographer. Is there some in your business that feels this way?
1: A lot of the guys who, you know, I came up under guys who are older now. Um, you know, I'm 35. So, you know, guys who are in their okay. 50s or older, some of the older guys, you know, they for good reason. They get upset when, yeah. let's say they're on the road, you know, they have a good quote for a story or there's some news that breaks on the road and then you know people at home will take that on twitter and like either write their own story or you know uh, you know sometimes uh the outlet like espn will write a story and then right. that takes away the value of their article because the information that they got being with the team on the road um is everywhere now so it's not like people have to click on their website to see the story it's all over the place. Yeah. And I think they, sometimes guys get upset over that, and I get it. I totally understand it. It's just kind of the nature of where the business is now. We're kind of cannibalizing ourselves in a way because of the internet.
0: Enos Cantor, man, he's just been dominating New York Knicks news from eating burgers. Um, <laughs> to all kinds of stuff, man. But uh, we won't get into the burgers right now. <laughs> I wanted to uh, ask you. What's going on with London, man? Like, was it a security issue? Was it a passport issue? And whose decision was it? Was it his decision? Was it the team's decision? Based on everything that Ennis has said, it seems to me like it was a a joint
1: decision. I think he could have made the trip. But I think if he made the trip, he says the team was saying, like, you have to stay in your hotel and go from your hotel to the arena and then right back to your hotel. So, wow his experience there would have been very limited because of the security concerns. So I think because of that, both sides decide that hey, it's better for you to stay here rather than go over there and, uh, and really just have a very limited time in London and, and have a compromised experience. And part of me wonders too, though, like maybe the organization or the NBA, maybe they weren't interested in having this story become such a, a focus of that international game over there, because that's a game that's, you know, it's a big deal for the league. It's a big deal for the teams involved. So maybe, you know, they didn't want this to become a dominant storyline. I'm not suggesting that the league or the Knicks made him stay home because of that. But I I think that, you know, that's something that is looked at uh, when you're, when you're looking at it
0: from a business perspective is one of the reasons they have these games in Europe because they want to like a conference out there one day. You know, it's talked about. I
1: think it's yeah. more of um, a fantasy at this point than a reality. But it's certainly something that the commissioner, I think, has addressed when he has these press conferences in these cities, and those questions come up. And I think the NBA, you know, is looking to expand south of our border into Mexico City. I think there's going to be a a G League team there um, in the coming years. Oh, really? Whether, oh. whether the NBA expands uh, with an NBA team into uh, Mexico or Europe, you know, I'm not so sure. It's like anything else, like the logistical issues uh, would be would be tough to get around because the NFL is kind of talked about the same thing and from more a fantasy perspective, um, and it just doesn't seem like it's a realistic option at this point. Um, but I think it's something that's always going to be discussed as these league, leagues continue to hold these games overseas.
0: Wanted to move on to Porzingis. Uh, how is his How is his rehab going? And there's reports that he wants to play, and then the Knicks don't really think that's a great idea. I don't. I don't want to use the tank word, but
1: listen, I man. Like all those factors kind of add up, right? Yeah. The Knicks are better off um, losing games and getting a higher draft pick. And Porzingis comes back and he's, he's healthy. And there's a couple months left in the season. You know, you obviously he could help them win more games than maybe is ideal for them in, in the bigger picture when you're looking at the June draft. But I don't – I mean, I th- a lot of people have said, like, kind of – they don't they, – they think – they don't think he's going to play. And uh, the obvious um, reason is because it's best for the Knicks, but also for Przingis. I mean, he – they didn't extend his contract, his rookie contract at the deadline earlier this season. So if he comes back, you know, worst-case scenario, he gets hurt again. Right. He's putting – that extension at risk. So I think there's a, a reason for him to sit too. But listen, I don't, I don't know if the Knicks have told him that. I don't think they would say, no. we don't want you to play this season because there's already um, a fractured relationship there between Porzingis and the organization. So if they were to say to him, we know you're going to be healthy enough, but we don't want you to play, you know, that's, that could potentially further fracture this relationship between star player an organization. I don't think it would be a wise thing for the Knicks to do. I don't think they would do that. Um, if they did do that, it would probably be done more subtly than than saying we don't want you to play this season. So I don't think that happened. But I don't also don't think Porzingis is going to play this year for some of the factors that we already discussed.
0: Yeah, to your point, you know, this is like a player development season, and it, it doesn't make sense to me why Frank hasn't really in the minutes. You know, first of all, just to see how. He might fit in the future of the Knicks. And second of all, it could bring his trade value down.
1: Well, I think the, the one thing that I wonder with this whole thing is, like, maybe the Knicks, like, they obviously see Frank so much more than we do during the games. They're seeing right. him in practices, They're seeing him in training camp. They're seeing him, I'm sure, over the summer. So maybe because of the information gleaned from all of that, um, they don't see him as a lead guard. Um, but I I just think that people around Frank say this I agree with it because of where the Knicks are I don't think they have anything to lose by saying listen we're gonna give Frank 15 games at right. point guard and we're just gonna see what he has and what he is at that position we're just gonna not gonna um, you know have him looking over his shoulder every minute uh, if he makes a mistake and gets pulled we don't want him with that mindset we're just gonna let him go play through mistakes and see what he is I I wonder. Maybe after the trade deadline, if that's that's an approach they take for a 10 game stretch, because at that point, you know, Emmanuel Moutier, let's say, you know, he's playing well now. Maybe there's trade interest in him. Uh, If he move, if he gets moved or if he doesn't get moved, um, maybe at that point you say, you know, none of the the rest of this season is is purely like a, a petri dish to see what our guys can do in certain situations. And then you say, all right, let's give 10 games to Frank at point guard. Let's see what he can do. I think they should do that. I don't know if they will do that, but I think if that does happen, it's something that happens after the trade deadline because, you know, there's still potential for other teams to become interested in a guy like Moutier, a a guy like Vonley, guys who are playing uh, pretty well here and there for this Knicks team. And then the Knicks maybe have a situation where they can take advantage and turn these players into other assets uh, at the trade deadline.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think now's the time to to give Frank a chance to see what he could do. Um, Carmelo Anthony, have you heard anything? Do you think he'll be back in the NBA? I, I do, but maybe I'm kind of
1: biased because I spent time around Melo when he was with the Knicks. You know, as, right. as a reporter, you know, you're you're at the games, you're at the practices, you're asking him a ton of questions. So I think just from having spent time around him, I could be a little biased. So I do think that he still can help an NBA team, and I think that. You know, he should have a roster spot um on on a contending team. Maybe it, it happens uh after the trade deadline, after roster shake out and before that March uh one deadline where players need to sign by March one to be on a to be playoff eligible. Uh so maybe it happens by then. But I do think he can he could still help a team in in a, in a I don't know what role. Uh you wanna say limited role, sure. But as as a scorer off your bench, if if a second unit is struggling. Right. um to generate offense. I think he still can do that. And I think you know it's funny. The one Houston game I attended this year was Rockets against the Nets in Brooklyn and he was red hot in that game. He I think he he, sh- he shot it really well. I think he had 29 points and then I guess he struggled in these other games for the Rockets, but I'm still confused as to to why that whole thing played out the way it did. Maybe he didn't want to accept the role that they um wanted him to play maybe they felt it would be a huge distraction if they put him out of the rotation they were probably right in that respect but it just seemed odd it, it seemed like he got discarded in a way that you would discard a guy who couldn't play anymore i think he gets some yeah. play.
0: why do certain players like like a great player like Melo? why do you think he gets a label like that is it more on the defensive side or what's the reason you think they would label him when he's obviously a great scorer
1: I mean, certainly, defensively, he has his shortcomings, and those yeah. shortcomings just get more pronounced with age. And, um, with,
0: that, and with how the, cha- the league has changed, you have to switch everything. Abso- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and he's going to
1: he probably going to hurt you on that end. And he uh, It's hard to hide guys um, on that end. It's harder and harder to hide guys on that end. Um, guys tend to get targeted on that end if, if teams know that they can be exploited. Uh, and I think that OKC, that season, of OKC, I could be wrong, but I think his numbers as a spot-up shooter weren't great or weren't as good as right. people expected them to be. Yeah. And I that that must be something that he would have to adapt to, maybe from a, a different way to train your body to adapt to that role. But also, obviously in New York, you know, he was shooting the ball 20-plus times a night. And I guess you are able to get yourself into a rhythm in that way. And, and you become accustomed to getting into rhythm in that way by taking that number of shots. So when your shots get reduced, you're not seeing the ball as consistently. Maybe it's harder to get into rhythm. So I think there's probably an adjustment there that he didn't adjust as well to in Oklahoma City than a lot of people expected him to.
0: Kyrie, it seems that uh, he's not happy now. But, you know, a lot of the times we're just prisoner of the moment, and uh, they could go on a run in the playoffs, and he might want to go back to the Celtics. But is there any chance? And it's the same thing with KD. He had some issues with Draymond, and he might not be happy as well, even though he said in an interview that he wants to go where the money is, where the most money is, which would be the Warriors. Do the Knicks have any chance of these guys, of getting these guys? Well,
1: I just want to say one thing, Andrew. You know this.
0: Uh, as a guy who, who
1: has been around the game for a long time, you know like what guys say publicly doesn't really have a lot of stock in what's actually going on behind the scenes. So whatever, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, whatever these guys say in interviews, I don't don't put a lot of value into it um, with regard to what what might happen in July. But I do think, like if you look at a couple scenarios here, you look at Kevin Durant, if he decides to leave Golden State, where's he going to go? I mean, it seems like he could go. I don't think he's going to go to Lakers to play with LeBron. No. Could he go to the Clippers? Sure, could he go yeah. to the Nets? I could see that. Could he go to the Knicks? I could see that too. But I don't see, unless I'm forgetting about a team, I don't see another team outside of those three where it's a, which is a realistic, which would be a realistic option for Kevin Durant if he decided to leave Golden State. So I think if he does make that decision, where hey, I'm ready to move on from the Warriors, I think the Knicks have a pretty good shot because I think it would be a pretty short list of realistic options for. Durant I mean do you see it the same way am I missing a team that could be no in play for him if he decides to go yeah I don't, I don't see it either so so there's that for the Knicks and uh and I also think with Kyrie you know he did say earlier in the season that he was going to remain in Boston he wants to resign I kind of look at that though as putting pressure on the uh I have to excuse me I have a, No worry, I get. If he's getting upset because he heard Durant might not come to the Knicks, I don't know. But Kyrie, you know, he said he's going to re-sign in Boston. I think he was putting pressure on ownership and the front office to offer that max contract, and he's. I think he's giving himself an out Uh, if it doesn't happen. He can save face from a public relations perspective, because you could say, I wasn't offered that max deal. Like, they didn't want me, so I had to go elsewhere. So I do think he's going to get the max offer. I think he's going to stay in Boston, but I think that's just something to keep an eye on as we talk about uh, July and this summer with free agency.
0: Right. Franchise plays. I wanted to bring it back to Porzingis for one second. There has yes. been reports that the Spurs are interested. Like, is there a scenario where that could actually happen? And would that free up um, a spot for another, like, max free agent if he were to leave?
1: I mean, listen, if he decides uh, I'm not going to, re- I'm not, I don't want to be here long term. If he decides right. that with the Knicks, then every there's going to be 29 teams that are interested in Porzingis. That's why I kind of laughed at that report that said, you know, the Spurs are interested in Porzingis. If he wants to leave the Knicks, every team would be interested right, in acquiring Byron. Right. So I think that, yeah, there are scenarios he could say I'm not resigning here. So the Knicks would say, all right, the best thing for us to do maybe is to trade you. And then it, you know, he, he becomes a, a valuable trade asset for the Knicks and, you know, he furthers his career elsewhere. I think that would be a, a disaster scenario for the Knicks because it would be hard for them to kind of spin it to their fame base that this is a good thing because, you know, Chris Tapps, say what you want about his durability. Obviously, he's coming off an ACL injury. There's uncertainty there. But he, the body type and the way he plays, it seems like it's a, it's a once-in-a-generation he could be a once-in-a-generation talent if he reaches his potential. So to right. trade that, you know, a lot of Knicks fans would would be kind of, uh, I guess, frustrated and upset if that happens. So it would be a tough position for the Knicks. But they might say, if he want, if he doesn't want to resign in New York, he doesn't want to be here long term. We have to trade him. So I think there are scenarios, plausible scenarios, where he does end up on a different team, if not next year, then in the near future. But there's there's a lot of a lot of time between now and when that might play out for things to change in new york for conversations to be had between porzingis and the knicks to kind of figure things out but i do think that that is a scenario to keep an eye on again as we head towards july to see
0: how things unfold speaking of once in generational type players that's something i really wanted to get to with you you know to me there's two i would actually say three once in a generational players in the league right now in my opinion i don't know if you would agree (laughs) with me that's mm-hmm. LeBron, KD, and you have to say Steph and the way he changes mm-hmm. the game. No doubt. With, with Luka Doncic's rookie season, is there a general consensus around league that this guy could be like that, a once-in-a-generational type talent?
1: Well, two names I would probably add to, to your list, just based on what we've seen this year, Anthony Davis and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, right. just because they just look to, like they have the, obviously, potential and they stay healthy. Uh, just to be two of the really special players in this game. Uh, with Doncic, I mean, I, I haven't asked a lot of people around the league their opinions on him, so it's hard for me to really have any strong insight on on how they see him. But obviously, everyone's incredibly impressed with the way that he's adapted and excelled at the NBA game so quickly. I mean, kid's 19 years old, and I think part of it is when you're when you're able to come up and play professionally at such a young age, which he was able to do overseas. I think that prepares you a little bit better than uh, the high school basketball, college basketball route that domestic players uh, take to the NBA. So I think that's part of what we're seeing here. But, you know, the way he uh, gets his shot off, the way he gets to the the spots that he wants to get to uh, night in and night out, he just, he's showing himself to be a very special player. I think it's too early to really put him on any list that uh, with the players that we, talked about earlier, but uh, listen, I think the potential is there if he could continue to stay healthy and and
0: develop his game. Really, I I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you, who do you think will win the NBA championship this year, the Warriors or the field? So I still take Golden State right now. I know they look vulnerable um,
1: at the moment, but I think so much can and will change between where are we? mid-January and, uh, and, and June, and, you know, this team's going to change, I think, in a positive way when DeMarcus Cousins gets healthy and, and, and gets on the court. I think it's going to be an adjustment period for the group, but I think ultimately it's going to make them that more, much more dangerous and much more complete, and uh, I do see them winning again
0: in June. What do you think, Andrew? Who do you have at this point? I have the Warriors because I don't think there's a team ready to grab it right now. Mm. That's a great point. You know, even if know. they are vulnerable who's yeah. There? yeah yeah it's the field but which team can actually grab it and i think the team with the best chance is the raptors but i still have the warriors over the raptors there it is there, there it is, is. Ian I like Benchry, it where can we find you man where can, i know i know you're most active i'm more of an instagram guy you're more of a twitter guy yeah can, i'm <laughs> an old man
1: you? bro all the old men are on twitter i gotta hey, get on instagram i have hey. to ask you about that Ian, we're, we're the same age, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but, I, but but I'm washed, bro. You're still a young guy. I feel like I'm washed. I got married two kids, fat. It's over for me. you still got a lot going on. I don't. That's why I'm on Twitter. and You're on Instagram. But I got to figure that out. Um, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Ian Begley. I a n b e g l e y, and uh, hopefully by the time we do this again, I got my Instagram account up and running. I'm gonna lean on you for that expertise
0: oh 100 and you and, and i need help on twitter man i'm just not as active on it but it's great because you know it's something where i could uh show my episodes it's a great platform we need that bro we need your voice on there so <laughs> so we'll make that happen thanks ian uh you've been more than gracious with your time and you're always welcome back on combos court appreciate it andrew anytime my friend always good to be with you thanks Ian. there it is episode 41 hope you enjoyed the show Big shouts to Ian for joining in. And we're going to switch it up a little bit right now, man. For the combo outro, I'm going to hit you with a question. And I'd love to hear your answer on the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. Leave a five-star rating as well. And your feedback on the episode. The combo question is, who is a better scorer? Kevin Durant or James Harden, man? Let me know right in the comments section. Appreciate you all. Be on the lookout for episode 42. Combo out.